With one running back out for half of a year, which member of an NFC West backfield is the pick to win? Which AFC North receiver is about to take advantage of a huge opportunity in 2021? And what rookie is simply going too high to extract any value from his stats this season? Plus, 26-time FFPC league champ Nat Patsky drops in to talk Ezekiel Elliott, O.J. Howard, FFPC best ball tournament strategy, and much more. We've got a great show for you. Farrell Elliott is here. I'm Eric Balkman. Stick around. Your high-stakes fantasy football hour starts now. I can't stand the pressure. I've seen greater men than me. The lesson. Make our the Broadcast live and heard around the world, you are now listening to the most entertaining hour of radio on the planet. Welcome to the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour, presented by MyFFPC.com, with your hosts Eric Balkman and Farrell Elliott. The High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour is your home for analysis from the best players in the world. And now, because no one else was available, here's Eric Balkman and Farrell Elliott. And thank you for the Quiet Hollers. Remember to check out their music at quiethollers.com. Greetings and salutations, all you Balkaholics and Ferreliacs. Welcome to the latest episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour, presented by myffpc.com. I'm your slightly above average host, Eric Balkman. My co-host is the definitive commissioner of fantasy football, Farrell Elliott. Farrell, we got our good buddy Kevin Williamson in the chat room right now talking about how we need to give you a little bit of a break tonight because uh, you are coming up on podcast number 100 in this week alone. I think he might be talking about me taking a break from drafting. You know, I'm currently drafting five leagues in the FFPC, and I had to check. This is the first time I have not been on the clock when the podcast started. So, (laughs) you know, something is out of balance in my world right now. But nevertheless... Um, you know, just I enjoy talking to everyone about uh, fantasy football, and, and a lot of our our friends, you know, uh, Jason Kahn, by, by the way, uh, has a podcast now, the Draft Head Junkies, and and everyone across the KFFSC landscape is just loving that, and uh, Chasing the Hellman is the guys that you well know, uh, they invited me on, they followed our, our checkered flag draft, so yeah. Uh, it's a great time to talk fantasy football, and we've got content, content, and relevant information, Balky. You remember back in the day when everybody was so secretive, right, about what their draft mm. strategy would be, and nobody wanted to give anything away, whether you're drafting in the KFFSC or the FFPC or anything else. And now it's just not only is nobody secretive of that anymore, now everybody's got a podcast trumpeting out everything, right? Everybody's talking about I never what, was they, what they plan on doing in draft. I never was secretive. It's just that no one wanted to listen. So I would, you know, no one would give me a, yeah, I couldn't get any ears. Now at least I can get on and, and say something that may have a little value, a little value that uh, may not be diluted by 
too much opinions out there. We had, we had our little podcast last night. It was a real thrill because uh, here in the KFFSC, the, the wit and wisdom of Justin McCord is always a key to our podcast. And COVID has knocked uh, Justin out of the podcast world for over a year. So we were together last night, Robbie Fetcher, Justin, and myself. And, uh, you know, I took a little liberty with the guys. You know, if, if I don't agree with them, that's one thing. But if they say something that it, that I just consider to be uh, blatantly stupid, you know, I push them around a little bit. And we had a little bit of that last night, and it made it a lot of fun. So when you get a chance, Balky, I don't know uh, if you'll have time to listen, but if you do, you might get a smile out of that one. Yeah, Justin McCord has always been one of my favorite um, podcasters. I don't know if he knows that, but he has the ability to – he is he is so um, – he has the driest sense of humor, right? And he'll, oh, he'll yeah. pop off a joke there. And, and sometimes they're thinkers a little bit, which I, I mm-hmm. appreciate even more. But it'll come out of the blue, and it just makes it so much, enjoy, so much more enjoyable. So when I saw that, uh, that you got McCord back, I was like, oh, my goodness, this, I, I got to bump this up. Not that I don't listen to you and Fetch, but I got. I was like, I got to bump this up because McCord is is really. You guys make the three. You make magic happen. And obviously, anywhere you get your podcast is where you can listen to the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship podcast with Farrell, Rob Fetcher, and Justin McCord. Uh, shameless plug there for you guys. Uh, coming up on tonight's show, we're going to have some conversations about DeAndre Swift and Jamal Williams. What Jalen Rager can do for you in 2021, and the 26-time FFPC League winner Nat Patsky will join us to talk about the number two wideout in Kansas City an AFC South running back that continues to be undervalued, and a whole lot more. Shout out to the chat room right now. Feel free to post any questions you all might have in there. If you want to connect with us, you can do so at Hour. I am at Eric Balkman. Farrell is at J. Farrell Elliott. Nat is at Nat Patsky. That's N-A-T-P-A-T-Z-K-E. And, of course, you can always hook up with the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship at KFFSC.com, our Facebook Page is facebook.com slash hsffhour. And if you want to give us a call tonight, feel free to do so. 347-426-3682. That's 347-GAME-OBA. Fantasy football at gmail.com is the email address that our producer and our mutual friend Rob, our audio engineer, and my best friend Bryce will be monitoring tonight. If you have any questions, now is the time to get to them. We'll try to get to as many as we can coming up in the fantasy feedback segment uh, in the last segment of the show tonight. I uh, want to remind everybody there's a lot going on with the FFPC and the KFFSC. Three days left in the FFPC main event early bird. So if you want to save $100 off your first main event team and get into the pros versus Joes drawing, that promo ends on Memorial Day. That's Monday. Uh, remember, each additional team you can save $400 off of right now. The 2021 Football Guys Players Championship off and running, $500,000 grand prize, $100,000 for second. Early bird is live there, so you can get up to three separate $35 FFPC credits on that when you register and draft those Football Guys teams. The inaugural Best Ball Tourney's launch. We're going to talk with Nat a little bit about that. I know he's got a few teams on that already. $100,000 grand prize in a $550,000 prize pool. The Dynasty Startups, the Best Ball Drafts, including the $5 Cinco de Best Ball Options, all open at myffpc.com. And don't forget about the checkered flag and the KFFSC main event at kffsc.com. You'll win some serious money and uh, compete against me. Farrell, I don't think that Memorial Draft, uh, Memorial Day draft on Monday uh, with me, I think there's still a few spots available in there, right? Buddy, it is a complete sellout. You've got a sellout oh, okay. to compete against. Yes, sir. When, when, you know, when they realized the defending champ was in it, they lined up to join. So you know, you've got some of your all-time favorites 
including uh, our beloved Drew Maselli there at that one. So it's, it's a good group. Oh, nice. Yeah, I, I can't wait for that. That will be the perfect way to uh, to finish off my Memorial Holiday weekend. Very excited yep. for that. Also very excited to thank Football Guys, Draft Sharks, NBC Sports Edge, and Rob for tonight's Fantasy Flash. Diana Rossini, who is a, an NFL reporter for ESPN.com, says there is a, quote, sense around the league that Julio Jones could be traded as early as next week. Now, the Falcons mm-hmm. apparently have several trade offers, including one for a future first-round pick from a mystery team. The uh, <laughs> former first-round wide receiver pick is going to be 32 years old. Um, I don't know what's going to happen with him, Farrell, because we've heard the Patriots, we've heard the Colts, the Titans, the Raiders, the 49ers, um, all in the mix for Julio Jones. My question to you is, when you look at where he's going in football guys' drafts right now, um, which I'm going to get right here, is wide receiver 18. That's going at the 410. Now, the fact that, that I think there's a better than 50% chance that he is indeed traded because of the cap situation for Atlanta, does yeah. that, knowing that, is that affecting you in drafting Julio Jones at the end of the fourth round? Are you more likely to go a different way because his situation could get better, it could get worse? It, there's a little bit of, of fungibility in that. Are you shying away from Julio Jones in the late fourth? For better or worse, I've never been a big Julio Jones drafter. I've always – and, and to, to my to my disappointment sometimes, because I've watched him have really terrific years, I think wherever he lands, uh, he does not get that much of a bump unless it's Indianapolis. I can see how that would be a natural fit for a team that is uh, getting better has a chance to win and an outside shot for postseason play. It, it, uh, I think what we're going to have, though, and I, I asked around, I asked a lot of people this, Justin McCord, who we spoke of. Justin quickly proved to me that he had been researching this one because he picked New England last night. And I think a, a household name around football that very few people have heard about uh, that, that we will know once this trade is complete is New England's uh, – uh, general manager Dave Ziegler, um, and, and I think he will have. He's uh, um, the, the 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 golden boy, the pick by the head coach. Uh, Belichick uh, brought him up underneath uh, Nick Casario, and now he's ready to help make this move. And this will be a stunning move for him for a, for a rookie GM. So, you know, and we're dealing with the team in New England. I mean, Balky. Uh, Belichick traded a second-round pick for Mohamed Sanu, for God's sakes, you know, and, and he trades down in every draft. <laughs> draft. Draft picks there don't mean as much as they do to some other teams, and they will be happy to move them. Uh, now that we get into June, um, you know, somebody asked me, what does it mean about dead money, and that we don't want to belabor that point, but the important thing to remember is if you have a $50 million signing bonus over five years, it gets – Prorated at $10 million a year. If you've got money still in that deal, uh, when you trade a player, it gets all added in into that year. But after June 1st, whatever that amount is, it gets split. And that's how the Falcons will be able to handle. That's where they will get the salary cap relief. And that's also, if it does happen, which we don't think it will, but that could be a big piece of uh, Aaron Rodgers' trade, which I think you and I don't believe that's going to happen. But everybody knows that this Julio Jones trade will happen. And and I'm betting on uh, New England myself. 
I, yeah, I mean, boy, that would be interesting. And, and I think New England will be, you know, Bill Belichick will be the first. I think he's already publicly said, like, look, we're not too good at drafting receivers, and they haven't been over the years. <laughs> um, they've gone out and gotten players, you know. I mean, outside of Julian Edelman, they, they went out and got Randy Moss. Uh, you just saw this sure. previous offseason. They went out and got um, uh, Kendrick Bourne and Nelson Aguilar. They, they went out and got Brandon right. Lloyd. I mean, all these players um, came through via free agency at the wide receiver position at New England. Um, they might be adding one through a trade here, too. We shall see on that, but that is certainly uh, an interesting take on Julio Jones and how you should be handling him in drafts, at least we, we think. So I happen to agree with Farrell on this, that Indianapolis could be uh, a better spot for him. I don't know if he necessarily improves greatly anywhere else. Matt Barrows, who uh, reports for the 49ers for the Athletic, says that Wayne Gallman is now the new 49ers number two running back behind Raheem Mostert, but a very fluid situation is his reporting on, uh, on, that, uh, on that situation as far as the Niners' backfield goes. Um, remember, um, uh, Jeff Wilson, who was supposed to be the backup to Mostert, is probably going to miss between four and six months after he tore his meniscus weightlifting. Wayne Gallman is 26 mm. years old. He saw a career-high in carries last year as well as rushing yards and touchdowns, 147, 682, and 6 as the giant starter. The Niners went out and used um, two day three picks on a pair of rookies, Trey Sermon and Elijah Mitchell, and they obviously will, will you know, uh, affect this uh, backfield as well. Um, Trey Sermon is actually being drafted ahead of Raheem Mostert uh, right now. And, Farrell, I know that this is, uh, this is just um, sacrilege for you to see Trey Sermon going ahead of Raheem Mostert. I got to believe for you, you are drafting all the Mostert you can right now and taking advantage of his of his ADP, which is slipping in, in football guys' drafts. I can tell you right now, shout out to um, Darren Armani from FantasyMojo.com who compiles this, but Raheem Mostert now being drafted as running back 32 at the 709. That is, again, like I said, behind Trey Sermon, also behind Michael Carter, just ahead of Leonard Fournette as well. Farrell, your thoughts on Raheem Mostert in the 709? You probably can't get enough of him, can you? I, can, I cannot get enough of Mostert. I've been going a little heavy on the running backs in the earlier rounds. And so I've been, I've been passing up this obvious value sometime to, to get some wide receivers, but I'm going to target this every time I can get it. Somebody said to me the other day, Bucky, they said, Oh, Mostert's living off his reputation for the big game he had against the Packers in the NFC championship. And I said, well, why shouldn't he, you know, that that's the potential that you're looking at that can happen on any proverbial given Sunday. I like Mostert. I think Gallman's a very good player, but he I do believe he is a career backup. He is a guy that will come in and spell other backs. Uh, Sermon is a definite between-the-tackles, hard-nosed player. Uh, I, I like the backfield. I'm willing to live with Mostert's potential to do more with less, and he's not going to have the same amount of touches that he would have if he played at another team but I think he's explosive, and I think he's a great draft pick in the seventh round. Yeah, yeah, no, it, it, it's crazy. Um, you know, we oftentimes, we will penalize people for the career year, uh, like Raheem Mostert had, capping that, that brilliant run he had uh, against uh, the Green Bay Packers in the NFC playoffs a couple of years ago. And then uh, if they don't do it, we penalize them as well, right? That, like, oh, he'll never be able to do it. He's, he's, a, he's a never... Uh, he's a never was, you know, but when they do it, we, we kind of um, penalize them as well. So it's, it's a weird and not it's usually not the same people, right? It's usually 
you're either a Mostert guy or you're not. And, um, you know, you, you look sometimes, and I'm guilty of this too, where I, I look for the narrative to fit my personal belief on a player or, or a strategy, which is not great. Yeah. It's not good process. But we're thing. all just trying to get yeah. better. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, I want to do one more thing. We have Nat Patsky coming up, the 26-time FFPC league champ. I want to talk about one more thing before we, we get to, uh, to Nat. Martin Frank on Twitter um, reported that Jalen Rager said he's going to play the slot a little bit more in, in 2021. Um, I always take it with a grain of salt when players talk about their role and when they talk about their injuries mm-hmm. and their health um, because they, they tend to exaggerate both of them, uh, how healthy they are and um, what their role is going to be and how involved they're going to be. Last year, Jalen Rager, 20% of his targets from the slot, and Greg Ward, if you remember, a guy who used to play quarterback for the Houston Cougars, was actually playing the slot quite a bit for Philadelphia, and he is still on the Eagles roster in 2021. Rager got um, seven, uh, caught seven passes on 11 targets for 33 yards out of the slot in 2020. You'd like to believe that he is going to be more of the field stretcher. Farrell, with guys like Dallas Goddard, and I don't know about Zach Ertz, He's still going to be on this team, but Devontae Ooh, Smith is yeah. going to catch passes over the middle. I don't, I don't know if Rager in the slot gets me excited to, to draft him a little bit higher here. Does, does, does that, is that what gets you going for Jalen Rager ADP right now? I think it should. We've got to remember the draft capital that this team put into this player. And there are a lot of teams waiting to choose this player. So I, I'm not going to say that th- this player is anywhere near a bust. I think what it does it gets the two best wide receivers on the field. Now you've got two really good, explosive wide receivers in Devonta Smith and Rager. Now Rager, in, in, in a draft that I'm just participating in, went at the end of the 13th round, which based on what should be happening, especially if you're one of the guys that believes in Hurts, then you've got to love the aspect that you can get this guy in a double-digit round, how fascinating it should be that you should that you're having an opportunity to link someone in the 13th round that has this potential. Very few teams can do that, and there's a lot of drafting of these first round draft picks, wide receivers, second round draft pick wide receivers. Um, in from the 2021 draft, there's a lot of excitement about these guys. You might as well stay excited about Raker because there, there's a great potential for him to do it this year. Draft capital, like you said, Farrell, the name of the game here, going at that 12-13 turn at wide receiver 55, right after Rondale Moore and Darnell Mooney, right ahead of T.Y. Hilton and Cole Beasley. So certainly a guy to take a chance on there. This guy's a first-round pick as a receiver last year in the NFL draft. Certainly having a few shares of him, not the worst way to spend a 13th-round pick. Uh, We are going to get to our guest tonight, ladies and gentlemen. I want to bring him in now. He has 12 Football Guys Players Championship League titles under his belt. He is a champion of 10 high-stakes FFPC Dynasty Leagues, a winner of a pair of FFPC Main Event Leagues, and two more Satellite Leagues to boot. He joins us tonight. Please welcome my friend and my fellow Wisconsinite from God's country, Nat Patsky. Nat, thanks so much for hopping aboard the show tonight, man. <laughs> hey, thanks for having me. So you are you are kind of in the shadows of uh, of the Twin Cities there on in the uh, western side of the state. Are you a, a Packers guy or are you a Vikings guy? Yeah, I actually grew up in Menominee, Michigan, which is about 45 minutes north of Green Bay, so... I went to Packer games as a kid. This was before Favre was there, so they were still a pretty crummy team, and you could actually go to games. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I grew up 
green and gold. My whole family is a Packer fan base. And uh, I, I don't know. If I had grown up over here, I have a hard time believing that I would have been a Packer fan because it just seems like I probably would have gone to Vikings games if I lived over here. But everybody in yeah. this town, even though I'm right on the border, we're 45 minutes from Minneapolis. The majority of people here are Packer fans, like 99% of them. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, good to know. Good to know. Packer Nation uh, uh, bleeding over um, very close to the Twin Cities. Um, we want to talk fantasy football with you, Nat, for sure. But before we get to that, I do want to uh, have you tell the listeners what you're doing for a living over in uh, western Wisconsin. I'm a pipe fitter by trade, but uh, I've been an injured reserve since about November. You got a jacked up back, so been dealing with that. But, yeah, pipe fitting. I, I so when when you say you're on injured reserve, is it are you are you designated to return at some point, or is this is this more of a permanent thing for you? Uh, it's kind of a questionable deal right now. I had to have uh, some fusion and part of another disc cut out because it was all calcified oh. from being hurt for so long. Um, oh my god! But I'm trying to get into uh, the more intellectual aspects, little niche of pipe fitting if I can, which I've done a few things to make that avenue an open avenue for me, and hopefully it works out. But I'll find out well, if, in about a month. Well, if, if well, the know, chops are, as far as, far as the, the, the intellectual portions of, of pipe fitting that, uh, if your chops are anything like your fantasy football chops there, I think you're going to be just fine, and I think you're going to be uh, excelling here shortly. Well, yeah, you. if you're going to pursue intellectual pursuits, Nat, you're going to have to immediately get off the show. We're going to speed this up. <laughs> yeah, you're not going to find much. Nat Patsky. I always wanted to have a friend named Nat Patsky. I mean, I mean that is great. That is, that is a central casting right out of Hollywood name. You know, there's not a bar <laughs> you can walk in in the country and introduce Nat Patsky and you're not getting free drinks. I can prove that that can happen, Nat. We'll have to do that. You know, that's happened a you're lot of times, actually. So. <laughs> you, you come into Las Vegas for the, for the live event, FFPC, everyone should. They better. I'm definitely going to make my way out there one of these years, but probably not this year yet. Well, good man. Good man. Well, i tell you what, then, since, since you are uh, familiar with the uh, injured reserve rules uh, uh, in, in the National Football League, we'll start with a player that uh, last year was challenged in that, in that way, too, because I think he played hurt. I think he played very bravely throughout the entire year, and that's uh, Ezekiel Elliott. I, um, I, did, I went way off chart or, or ADP or whatever you want to call it in a draft the other night and took him uh, with the fourth overall pick because I hadn't had him anywhere and I was trying to do a little experimenting and, and, and I just he's a polarizing player because I, I think uh, you know as polarizing as a player can be that has previously been a top four pick now going eight, nine and ten um, how are you handling him in drafts? What do you see uh, forthcoming for this uh, cowboy this year because, frankly, I think a lot of people are giving up on him, uh, saying he's not a guy they're going to draft, and I think that's a mistake. I'm loving what people are doing because it's making it easy on me. He, uh, uh-huh. I mean, he obviously looked like he wasn't right last year, whether it was mental or physical, I don't know. But the line was all injured when uh, Dak got hurt. That's a huge combination of things working against him. 
And if you just go back to his rookie year, his first preseason when they went and played Seattle, and I don't know if you remember him going and taking on Cam Chancellor, but yeah. he hit him with everything he had, and it was the preseason. And I was like, what is going on here? This guy has everything to prove, and he loves it, and he gets up, and he's feed Zeke, feed Zeke. I'm like, wow, this guy's going to make it. And, you know, he got his big contract after the whole squabble and everything, and then last year it just – kind of like a perfect storm of things working against him and I don't I think last year is more of a an outlier than anything he's only 26 years old and the line's going to be back stronger than they were last year at least I won't say stronger than ever but they should be pretty good and Dak sounds like he's well on his way to recovery everybody's saying he's looking great I I don't think that I would I don't think I'd put him above where he's currently going like in that He's kind of going with Derrick Henry, it seems like, in most of the drafts that I've done. But uh, I've taken him fourth or fifth in a few. I I can see him beating Kamara very easily. I can see him beating Henry very easily. I see him fighting for the ch- or the rushing title this year for sure. Um, if he doesn't get hurt, I, I'm thinking 16, 1,700 yards is not too much to ask, and that's not even including receiving yards. Yeah, that would be a true Ezekiel Elson. His ADP, this is interesting because I, when I was drafting a couple of months ago, I was getting him in the early to mid-second. Now in, in football guys' drafts, he's, he's, his ADP has risen. He really hasn't done much, right? He hasn't That's done, done anything to like – He's now going as, as the running back draft. seven at the, at, at the 108. Nat Patsky, one, 100% the, the, um, the catalyst for uh, jettisoning Ezekiel Elliott up draft boards right now, going – as um, at the 108, it's right ahead of, or beg your pardon, right behind Derrick Henry, right ahead of Cam Akers. So it makes some sense there that that there is there is some Elliott truthers out there like Nat that that are driving up uh, his ADP for sure. And maybe it's still not high enough. We'll we'll have to see um, how the, the the rest of the off season goes. It could get higher as we uh, as we get closer to uh, the start of um, the uh, NFL season. Um, Jarvis Landry, Nat was awesome uh, for everybody who drafted him in, in 2020, given where he was going in drafts. Um, but I look at the other Cleveland receivers um, on that team, you know, Peoples-Jones, Beckham. I, I know they drafted the kid out of Auburn, Schwartz. Uh, he's on that team. Higgins. Who have you been zeroing in, not named uh, Landry, for the Cleveland Browns wideouts this season? You know, Beckham's price, if you're a Beckham believer, is unbelievable. I'm not a Beckham believer for this year, but <laughs> at his price, I mean, if you're – if you're on him, I would be buying him hardcore at that price, like seventh round or roughly most of the time I've seen him going. And I think the better bet, just because Beckham's coming off of a serious knee injury, and it seemed like Mayfield started to get the hold of being an NFL quarterback pretty well at the end of last year. Yep. I think DPJ is uh, probably a better investment because you can get him in the last round of every draft. And if you're not going that, I would actually say it's not a receiver. It's Austin Hooper because he's looking like he's 13th, 14th round. And if you look at the tail end of the season, he was getting double digits pretty much every week. And I don't think that's going to change. You know, uh, there's some changes down in Tampa. They just keep adding good players. And where did you watch the Super Bowl last year? In my living room. I love it. And you're snow on the ground outside. 
there and uh, uh, probably. Yeah. <laughs> <I don't remember. laughs> well, we're having a big party in the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship uh, on the on the big game weekend. So I'll ask you to come down. And I I enjoyed that Super Bowl. I was a, I was a little bit uh, I was on the wrong side of it and I couldn't get off of it. But I, I really did think that uh, that the Tampa win is the kind of win that we're going to see improved upon this year. It, it, maybe they can even do it again. But, you know, there was a missing piece, and that was the tight end, O.J. Howard. And I was watching some of the early games last year. You know, he only played four games. He only caught 11 balls. But, man, could he get open. And at times did he look like he was clicking with Brady. There's one film where Brady moves around a little bit, uncharacteristic for Brady in the pocket, and waits for him to get open, and he is wide open in the end zone. So I, I was thinking that, that that year was going to blossom for him. It didn't because of his injury. What do you think of O.J. Howard this year? And, and I'm watching it in the drafts. Correct me if I'm wrong, but he's largely a forgotten man. Yeah, he's pretty much the last viable tight end option in the majority of the drafts that I've done. It's either him or Ebron as the final two, I would say. And usually they're about the 15th round, it seems like right now. Uh-huh. But I think that's justified because there's just too many weapons in Tampa. When you're talking about watching O.J. Howard at the beginning of last year, I believe that was before Antonio Brown was really in the picture. Right. And that Brady's always gone to – the smart option on plays, whether it be James White or back in the days of Kevin Falk or whoever. I mean, he always – he's going to go to who he's going to get the smart completion to. He will take his shots. But, I mean, a lot of the times when he was supporting two tight ends, it was because they were the best options. It wasn't because he's just favors tight ends. Gronkowski's arguably the best tight end ever to play. I, like, I would put money on him being the best tight end, and it's not just because he was a great receiver – the guy loves football. Yeah, everybody makes fun of him for being a big dope, but, I mean, if that guy goes out and competes every play until the whistle, whether it's blocking, receiving, or whatever, and he puts his body on the line. He reminds me a lot of Dennis Rodman from back in mm-hmm. the, the early 90s, late 80s. Like, the dude just, he goes for it. But anyway, uh, O.J. Howard, I, I, I really wanted the Packers to trade for him last year. I thought it was going to happen. Yeah. I'm a huge believer in his talent, but coming off an Achilles injury, and then on top of that, you've got all the receivers returning, plus they added uh, the rookie, Darden, and then on top of that, you've got uh, Gronk still there, you've got Brait still there. I just don't see him being a viable, trustworthy option week in, week out. I don't know if that makes him a high-floor, low-ceiling guy more so, or a guy you want to in best ball I, I really haven't figured that out yet because I've only been drafting him when he's a last resort as in if I'm doing best ball and I only have one tight end on my roster and I need another one because you got to have that backup at least one backup he's been a guy I've been grabbing in that situation or else if I've just been sitting and waiting on tight end and a regular redraft league I've ended up with a couple that way but I'm not buying big time on him this year I just the talent is there, but there's too many question marks for me. 
Fair enough. Talking with Nat Patsky, the, the 26-time FFPC High Stakes League winner on the show tonight, uh, the HSFFO, are uh, happy to have you on, Nat. And uh, so is Kevin Williamson, who has a uh, question in the chat room right now for you. He wants to know, uh, now that we know where all these rookie quarter be, uh, quarterbacks are going to be this year, which one do you think is going to have the best season? Is it simple, simply Trevor Lawrence? Or would you be looking at, from a fantasy perspective, would you be looking at a guy like Justin Fields, Trey Lance, Zach Wilson, Mac Jones even? Um, your thoughts on the rookie quarterbacks if you just look at uh, the 2021 season and not from a dynasty perspective? From just a single season perspective and, and fantasy aspect, I would say probably Trevor Lawrence just because the weapons that he has there and the terrible defense that they have there I think they're going to make him have a lot of easy throws, and he's also very capable of making the intermediate and deep throws. And with guys like Chark and all the other dudes on that roster, I think he's going to be pretty well set. Although, I mean, Zach Wilson has a pretty good setup up in New York. It's hard to fathom how many weapons they suddenly have on offense. But uh, I don't know. It's hard to believe anybody in New York is going to do anything. The last quarterback they had that was worth (laughs) anything was Favre, I think, for eight weeks. but, ah, man, I don't trust that Fields is going to get on the field right away. I, I don't trust that Nagy's a good coach. So I'm, I'm having a hard time buying him, although I'm a huge Fields fan. I just don't know that this mm-hmm. is his year yet. And Trey Lance, with the limited amount of football that he's played, especially against high-ranking competition, I'm not buying him this year. Like, there's, I just have a hard time believing that he sees the field very much because with that defense and the the offense coming back healthy, I think San Fran's going to be in the hunt the whole way through, and I don't see them switching to the backup quarterback. So, and Mac Jones, he's the perfect fit for Josh McDaniels. Like, I don't think you could have found a guy that's more similar to Brady for him. And I think with the two tight ends that they brought in, and the receivers that they've got, he would actually be a viable option if McDaniels has the chance to really coach him up. But I, I don't think he's going to get in there right away. I think Cam will hold that down. So i, I got to go with Trevor Lawrence. Um, I want to shift the conversation here, Nat, to, to some uh, the, the FFPC Best Ball Tournament, which I, I know you're participating in. I know you got some drafts going on there. I'm curious as to, as to how your strategy changes when you're trying to beat out, you know, hundreds of teams in this tournament for a hundred thousand dollar grand prize, as opposed to when you're just trying to beat out eleven teams um, for, you know, in a, in a closed league. I'm just curious, does your strategy change at all? Are you doing some different things in the best ball tournament that you wouldn't be doing in a closed best ball league? How has it been different for you drafting in that tournament? I'm gonna liken it to uh, DFS play, where you're either playing a head-to-head matchup or in a big tournament. The bigger the tournament you're playing, the more chances you have to take. And that's what I would say this best ball tournament is more like. If you're not taking chances on guys that have some question marks, whether it's a guy like Watson or Winston or Rogers or something like that, the guy's tied to those guys, I don't think you're going to be able to beat people out unless every one of those questions gets answered negatively. I don't think you're going to be able to beat the guys out at the end. Um, I've only really played best ball in one league. I have a dynasty league that I've done for three years. It's the first time I ever did it, and I got lucky and 
men's draft, Delvin Cook, Derek Henry, Zeke, I think, and uh, Aaron Jones in the first year. Oh, my. <laughs> James Conner, too. So my okay. receivers are pretty thin, but I've won it three years in a row. And so I was trying to look at that and think, okay, maybe I can draft a bunch of running backs like that. But then thinking back, I didn't get those running backs rounds one through four. I mean, I've got Aaron Jones late. I got Delvin Cook later, not right away. Same thing with Henry. So Zeke was the only guy I had to draft early. So I think the big thing is just a lot of people get caught up on trying to have a plan when they go into a draft. And the only plan I really have is I draft who the league gives me. Uh, if you're going to give me the best receiver in the league, I'm going to take the best receiver. You give me the best running back or tight end. That's what I'm going to do. And you got to be like Bruce Lee would say, you got to be like water. You got to be able to fill whatever container they give you. So uh, the big thing is just being flexible and you got to have enough depth to handle your bye weeks and everything. So instead of doing two tight ends for something like that, I'm probably doing three tight ends. Same thing with quarterback, if you can pull it off, but, Mm-hmm. I would say the big thing is taking some chances. If you don't take any chances, you're probably not winning that overall. That's exactly right. You know, we. I love the way you brought brought up Brett Favre twice now uh, in, in the conversation. <laughs> I love that. I, I, you know, He's always on my you mind. Can it, <laughs> you, you, can, you can tell that you are a, a true. Uh, yeah, a guy that bleeds with the players that he's always uh, that he's always uh, rooting for. So that's that's a cool quality, and I can tell in your voice uh, that you really love football. I'm going to go back to Super Bowl Sunday. I guess I'm just stuck on the very last game of the year, but you know I, I enjoyed a lot of the aspects about the game, but I sure did not enjoy the Kansas City receiver core once you went away from Tyreek Hill in the tight end position. So. I'm looking at the situation of these new players that are coming into Kansas City to, uh, to, to capture the number two um, wide receiver position. Probably my greatest dark horse for, uh, amongst all the rookie receivers is the kid I saw at Clemson who had a tough time getting going in his college career. You know, we talked about uh, Jalen Rager earlier, a guy that had a tremendous college career, had a tough time getting going in the NFL. But you take a guy like uh, Cornell Powell uh, out of Clemson this year, and I just I just have a feeling that this guy is going to connect and, and be a player uh, that we can expect significant things for in his rookie year. Do you have a favorite uh, for that number two wide receiver position in Kansas City? And if it ever clicks, how fantasy relevant could it be uh and and what would you compare it to in in the nfl well mahomes has never supported anybody outside of really kelsey and hill on a consistent basis so i'm not i'm not expecting big things out of second receiver but that's not for lack of effort they signed watkins to a huge contract as a free agent and so it's not for right. lack of effort I do believe that Andy Reid wants to get somebody to take the pressure off of Tyreek, somebody to take the pressure off of Kelsey, so they can get those guys in more opportune situations. Um, and he's using it as a committee. He's using a committee to get there, and I don't think it's working. For sure. So, I mean, you've got Robinson who's been there. You've got Pringle who they talked up, but, I mean, he's another guy like Robinson as far as I'm concerned. I think they talk him up more so just to keep him interested because he's a big special teamer. 
Uh, and then you've got Hardman. Guy was drafted pretty high. Mm-hmm. He's lightning fast, but the guy hasn't really learned to run routes yet, and I don't think that's going to change. It just doesn't seem like he's going to get it. I think he's going to be more of a Cordero Patterson type in his mm-hmm. career where he's just got all the athletic talent in the world, but he just never clicks as a receiver. Um, the Paul kid, I mean, he's interesting. I looked into him, and I drafted him a couple of dynasty leagues, but the guy I really like is free in every league, and that's uh, Antonio Callaway. Nobody knows he's even on the roster. Right. I, I mean, he's got – first-round talent on the field, but he's also got Jeff, or not Jeff Gordon, uh, Josh Gordon talent off the field. So, mm-hmm. so many issues, but if the guy gets it to click, and you know Andy Reid's going to give the dude a shot, because that's just what Reid does. But, I mean, I think he's the most talented receiver outside of Hill on that roster. So, if he keeps his stuff together off the field, I, I like his chances of being somebody who produces in that offense. Maybe it doesn't happen right away, but once he earns a spot, I think he's the, the best chance to actually be a viable second option, unless Hardman all of a sudden figures out how to run routes. Yeah, people have was a, uh, Callaway, and I'll, just, I'll remind everyone Callaway is 24 years old, so he's got time to straighten it out. He does have time, and he was a pedigreed guy, too. I mean, it would have been a first-round pick if it wasn't for, for the off-the-field stuff, for sure. And, and when you pair him with, uh, with Mahomes and you get those other guys around him and, and Hill and Kelsey, and uh, there's certainly a lot to like there for the price, right? I mean, you could get him for free right now, and he could pay off yep. huge. Um, let, let's stay in the AFC here, Nat. I want to shift over to the, uh, the AFC North and talk about the Bengals' backfield. What are your thoughts on, on the, the fantasy value that can be mined there? Is it simply just Joe, you know, you draft Joe Mixon and forget it, or is there somebody else there should be paying attention to? Chris Evans, Samaje P. Ryan, you know, anybody like that in the Bengals' backfield that you could get after Mixon that you think is worthwhile for FFPC owners to do this year? I actually thought, like, Travion Williams looked pretty good last year when he got the opportunity. So I was pretty surprised to see them go and get Evans and uh, Puka Williams. I just didn't see that coming. But, I mean, they coached up Chris Evans in that uh, the senior bowl or whatever, and they got a firsthand look at him. i got to think they're pretty happy with him. And all the reports that I've seen are saying he looks spectacular in OTAs and rookie minicamp and everything like that. Like, he looks like a receiver, even though he's built like a an every-down running back. I got to think they're going to want to get him the ball in games. I don't know if he's going to take on all of uh, Gio Bernard's touches in that way because, I, like I said, I like the way Williams looked. I think Puka Williams actually turns out to be like a practice squad player. But mm-hmm. Joe Mixon has always – a lot of people say he's an injury-prone player, and then the people will come back and say, well, he only missed X amount of games last year. He wasn't injury-prone. But the dude played hurt for most of the year. So, yeah, he is injury-prone. It, but he gutted it out. But if you look at his game splits, how often does he actually put up elite numbers? How often does he blow up? It's not very often. And I just – it's not for lack of talent. I just – he doesn't do enough for me to justify making him a second or even a third-round pick. And I, Chris Evans being a late-round pick is more of a something I'm on. And that and the P. Ryan dude – Coaches are talking him up, especially with his uh, late season 
opportunity he got. He did really well, and I think yeah. I could see him being like a touchdown vulture at times. And if Mixon goes down, I think you'll see Pirine with first and second down, some third downs, and then Evans being the the third down back. So I I would say Pirine is the second guy you should grab. If you can get him late in the draft, you don't have very much depth at running back, go for him. Otherwise, Evans is a good dart throw. Bucky, how many years have you been coming to Kentucky to play in the KFFSC now? Man, that's a good question. It's, I, I feel like it's got to be double digits. I mean, maybe a dozen? Does that sound yeah, right? Yeah. Hey, did you miss one year because of a child's birthday or maybe even birth? Did you miss? I don't think I, I – no, I don't think I, – I think I, I, every year since I started coming, I don't think I've ever missed a year in Kentucky. Well, good. That makes me feel well. Uh, that makes me feel really, really great. It's something I want to talk to Nat Petsky about. But I'll tell you one thing. Um, you know, we are – when you come to Kentucky, it's actually a bit of a misnomer because I don't think you've ever been in the city of Louisville in all these years because you come from the north and you stop there – in Indiana at the casino because we are on the other side of the, of the river, Caesars. And, and Matt, we're at my house, my door-to-door to Lucas Oil Stadium is 111 miles. Um, Indianapolis Colts football is very, very important to people around here, and, and we're excited about this. Carson Wentz coming, uh, reunited with the coaching staff, a fresh start, big expectations. I'd like to know anything you want to talk about Indianapolis Colts, be it Wentz, be it, be it the, the young running back, Taylor, uh, I personally have, have been keeping an eye and focusing on uh, Pittman, targeting him in some drafts. Anything you want to talk about about the Indianapolis Colts, especially for my benefit, I think you're very well-versed and knowledgeable about players across all these rosters in the NFL. I really would like to know um, – what you think about Pittman's upcoming year and how that relates to Carson Wentz? Well, uh, Pittman, I would say, is going to be the closest thing they have to uh, Elshon Jeffrey. And mm-hmm. Wentz did very well throwing to Jeffrey. I mean, he's going to go up. He's going to get those contested catches, and he needs that. But he also needs his, his safety blanket tight end. I know they drafted, uh, what's his name, Granson? Uh, yeah. He's supposed to be very similar to Trey Burton, which I'm surprised they let Trey Burton go. That doesn't make any sense to me. You bring in Wentz, and you get rid of the one guy who's already worked with who he seemed to like working with. But that's beside the point. Uh, With that offensive line and the weapons that they have, whether it be Taylor or Hines or the receiving core, I think Wentz is going to have a really good year. Now, it may not be uh, a great fantasy year in terms of ceiling because that defense is really good and they should be able to grind out games. So he's probably not going to have to play a lot of garbage time and shootout type games. It's going to be more of a a good football all-around type thing, which is more fun for a football purist to watch than it is for a fantasy fan to watch. Um, which, honestly, I, I prefer that. But anyway, I, I'm still buying Wentz I I don't think T.Y. Hilton is going to be anything all that special. I think you'll have a couple big plays, but... Except uh, when they play the Texans. It's always <laughs> special when he plays yeah, the Texans. He'll have a 250-yard game against them. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
When Ertz gets released um, from Philadelphia, he'll probably yeah, go to Indianapolis, go. and then everything's going to be yeah. great. The, the Philadelphia West, obviously, in, in Indianapolis. Then if right? that happens, the Wentz and Ertz connection uh, hooking up again. Um, Farrell, uh, Nat has been extremely gracious with his time tonight. I don't want to keep him too much longer, but I know you have one final question for him be- before we let him go and enjoy his evening. Buddy, this is who we ask everybody, and you've got to come clean with it. You've hit on a couple, but, we, you know, I'm sure you've got more, and you could probably talk about them. I want the best one. I want the guy you want, the guy that you're getting, and, and, and I'd like to hear about one that you're getting late. I think, you you know, your Callaway example was perfect. And then somebody that you're avoiding. So you might call him a sleeper for who you want, and then somebody that you're just not going to get in business with, and it can be from round one through round 20. But uh, tell us who tell us who those guys are for that class. Well, I mean, I kind of already touched on Joe Mixon as a guy. I'm not really touching at his ADP. I would draft him in like the fourth round, but that's where I value him. One that would be surprising to a lot of people would be George Kittle. I mm-hmm. – I don't trust the situation there. They've got yep. uh, Ayuk, when he came on, I mean, he was really talented. He soaked up a bunch of targets. I don't know what to expect there. Mm-hmm. Debo Samuel wasn't even involved at that time. You know he's going to mm-hmm. get his. I think with that defense and their offenses want to run the ball, that they may just mm-hmm. not have that many throws to go around. And I think Kittle, we, he'll have a couple monster games, especially if they get in a shootout. But I think a lot of the time he's going to get four catches, five catches, and it's not going to justify that late first, early to mid second ADP that he's pulling down. Um, so I, I would, I'm not saying he's undraftable. I'm just saying at his current ADP, I'm not touching him. I have him on zero teams right now other than some dynasty teams. Right. And honestly, I tried to sell him straight up for uh, Kyle Pitts and got denied every time. Sure. Um, in terms of sleepers, uh, I definitely have grabbed Callaway in a lot of leagues, but I'd say one that nobody's really looking at is John Brown. There's mm-hmm. you smoke. look what Nelson Aguilar did. Yeah, smoke. I mean, he had a great year with the Raiders. He put up a lot of double-digit games, even in the 20s. And Derek Carr actually had a pretty good season. He really screwed me over in one of those final weeks when he put up like 2.6 points. I started him over Tannehill. He cost me a championship run in one league, but uh, Derek Carr overall had a pretty good year. I, Gruden's not lying when he said he was playing out of his mind. He was putting up 300-plus yards, and Aguilar was tearing it up. And I think John Brown's going to fill that same role, but he's a lot better than Nelson Aguilar. So I would say John Brown is probably – and I'm not getting him in every league because some people are drafting before I get a chance to get to him. But if he's still there in round 15, I'm all over him. The resurgence John of Brown. Smoke Brown, Balky. What do you think well, about I, that? And you know what? What's so great about that, Farrell, is there like the the name and the game of Smoke Brown is is no it, it is perfectly suited, or he is perfectly suited to be a Las Vegas Raider. You're playing in Vegas. Right. You got the speed. You got the name. You got the black and silver. I mean, this is perfect for John Brown to have a big season. Wide receiver 75 in football guys drafts right now, going in the 17th round. So certainly uh, a, a well worth the investment. If uh, a 26-time 
FFPC High Stakes Champs advice is anything to go by, and it definitely is, ladies and gentlemen, as you heard it on the show tonight. Nat, can't thank you enough for hopping aboard and uh, dropping some science on us, giving some insight into uh, your philosophy and drafting. Um, I, I wish we could have gotten into more dynasty with you because I know how talented a dynasty player you are, but we'll, uh, maybe we'll get to that if, if we can get you on uh, again sometime in the next couple of years. Uh, that would be a treat for us. It was a treat for, for us to talk to you tonight. Good luck in all your leagues. Good luck in that best ball tournament, obviously the football guys dress in the main event. And uh, Kevin Williamson says if you do make it down to Kentucky this year, your first drink is on, uh, is on him. So the Bourbon City Ballers, happy to buy you a bourbon if you make it down to Louisville this year, man. Thanks so much for hopping aboard tonight. We appreciate it. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. Nat Patsky, ladies and gentlemen, he is a 26-time FFPC high-stakes winner uh, from uh, from God's country here in Wisconsin, which was awesome to have him on. Uh, maybe he could just hop aboard my flight, Farrell, which I finally booked. I waited forever. I don't know why I waited so long, but I finally got my flight booked. My, my hotel room is all squared away uh, for Kentucky. I cannot wait to get back down there the end of August and, and uh, drafting live. But uh, I should also mention, too, that um, uh, the KFFSC main event in, in Cincinnati are, are sort of the precursors to Louisville. You can, obviously, there's plenty of drafting action at uh, KFFSC.com well before them. August 15th, Bucky, it's a one-day event as opposed to our three-day event in Louisville. And, and yes, we're... Here we are, uh, Memorial Day weekend, and it's it's uh, it is half full, over half sold, and so uh, we're excited about that. It's a different kind of feel. It's a smaller room. We have a blast, and it draft from 11 a.m. until 9 that evening on that Sunday. It makes a lot of it. 26 leagues for Nat. He's a 26-time yeah. winner. You said. See, and it makes yep. me feel good because I agree a lot with him, and especially. Especially about Kittle, and, and I think Kittle's one of the greatest football players in the game. But how they depend on him to block, and as nasty a player as he is, and, and what he's got to do against opposing defenses, and, and the defensive linemen that have been added to those teams within his division, starting with JJ Watt, uh, there's a lot of things for Kittle to do on this offense besides catch passes. Do you think um, that, you know, because he plays the game with reckless abandon, doesn't really care, care about mm-hmm. his body too much, which can, which can be good, but it can also be bad. Do you think um, he's going to have a shorter career um, because of how he yep. plays the game uh, than, than a lot of other tight ends that, that of, of the same ilk? He's going to have to adjust his body, you know, and he may be a workout warrior. He may have a nutrition, a nutrition angle. You know, I, I've been familiar with players before that, that feel they're bulletproof, and they, they try to live that away from the field. And and maybe he does that as well, but I think you're spot on, Balky. And, you know, he's the kind of player that we've got to really, really enjoy um, while we've got him. And I, the last time I saw him live, I was with our aforementioned Drew Maselli and my buddy Fenton. Fenton set it up where we could go to the uh, – Halloween night, Thursday night game, um, 49ers and, and Arizona Cardinals. And I could not take um, my eyes off Kittle. I watched him every play. He got hurt in that game. I said, oh, man, he's through. Three plays later, he was back in. <laughs> That's the way he is, man. Yeah. That That is the way he is. Yeah. 
Um, one, what the, the big thing I want to bring up with you and, and, um, and just get your thoughts from, from you when you draft your teams. Um, when I was asking Nat about the, the best ball tournament, he said um, one of the things you have to do in that, and I don't think it's necessarily applied to the best ball tournament. I think you can make this case about Kentucky, Maine, FFPC, Maine, you know, whatever. You have to take chances on question marks, right? Um, you, mm-hmm. you, just, you cannot get away with a dominant team without taking some chances. And he said, you know, the only way it doesn't, you know, work or the only way drafting a safe team works out is if all those question marks get negative answers, right? If they all, if they all flame out, if they're all bust. That's never happened in the history of fantasy football where everybody who was a question mark was a bust. Some of them hit every single year. And I think part of the reason that, um, I, you know, I have struggled in certain leagues over the years is because I draft too safe. I, I do draft. Uh, a little bit too conservative sometimes to my own detriment. And I feel the last few years I've been more prone to taking shots on, you know, especially when you draft early with some of these rookies, right? I think you just have to take shots. Even if it's guys you're not really familiar with their games at all, you have to do it. And it seems weird and it doesn't feel good when you're doing it, but it doesn't matter how good it feels when you're drafting the team, Farrell. All that matters is if it feels good when you're watching that team play for a championship in week, well, now this year, week 17. The words that seem to send players to the bottom half of the division rankings are, oh, I had that guy last year and he stunk. Oh, he killed me yeah. last year. It's, 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 it's just like Nat talks about having a Derek Carr, and he said Derek Carr put up a three-point game for him, but he appreciated Derek Carr's uh, ability to play. and he could, it, There's numbers that will prove Derek Carr's value as a deep ball passer, and that, that's where Aguilar benefited from it this year. Uh, yes, you, you've got to hit those question marks, and you cannot live in fear. Two-packer, Ron Meyer, he said it best to me. He said, uh, draft by average draft position, you'll have an average team. You know, reach yep. and get your guys. None other than, than Lance Turbs holding two drinks at one time on the floor <laughs> at uh, what was formerly known as the Hard Rock Casino in Vegas, told me, he says, you know, I don't really care where anybody else is drafting them. I just want to get my guys. And, you know, I think that's what will – I think that that philosophy will fulfill you as a fantasy player and more than likely have you win more often. Um, you know, the other thing, too, is, and I'm sure we'll talk about this as, as we get deeper into the summer, nobody really cares about ADP in October – November, even late September, nope. right? It's just all about no, no. grabbing the right players. And I'll tell you another thing I've noticed, and you've probably noticed this too, Farrell. You know, you, you, you draft in, you know, February, March, April, whatever, and then you get to, to drafting in, in September. And, you know, Kentucky and, and even the main event in Vegas, and then you get to the, the big payback and the high society um, leagues that I facilitate out there. And it is unbelievable how everybody goes and gets their guys in those leagues. You know, players that are going in round 17 and 18 in Kentucky and in, and in the FFPC main event, you get to that high society big payer, those guys are all off the board by round 11, by round 10 sometimes. Sure. Like, it's just crazy, mm-hmm. you know, how that goes every single year. And, and it, it's, uh, it's fun. I hope everybody, um, if you have never thought about coming out to Vegas or never considered it, never done it, I think this is going to be a year. I think Louisville is going to be huge. I think Cincinnati is going to be huge. I think Vegas is going to be huge. Everybody's going to be so excited. If you took the year off last year, man, it, it's going to be a huge party right. this year. It is going to be so much fun. 
Um, the one other thing I, I do want to bring up, and, and I know we're up against it. We'll get the emails next week. But I, I talked about this at, at the top of the show. The, the Lions running back situation, Farrell, Anthony Lynn, who's the mm-hmm. new offensive coordinator there, uh, referred to Jamal Williams as a, quote, classic A-back. Now, I'm going to read the full quote here. My A-backs are normally my bigger backs. They can run between the tackles, block probably a little bit better than a B-back. They can also run the perimeter. I can leave those guys in there for all three downs. Then he called DeAndre Space a, quote, speed space back. He says that, that um, Williams and Swift are, are complementary, not necessarily interchangeable. When you hear the offensive coordinator for Detroit say something like this, how, how much did you move Jamal Williams up your draft board? How much did you lower DeAndre Swift? Or did you keep him at the same spot and you're just kind of taking this at face value for what it is? I have not been targeting Swift in the drafts because I'm, I'm a little bit concerned um, about the uh, concussion issues with this player. That's the one mm. thing that the training staff cannot cannot fix for a player. If, if he is concussed, and he has been before, and his, he did not tolerate it well, which was, a, was another type of a problem. There's a lot of talk about it. Then he's at a situation in which everything is new. And then the Jamal Williams thing. Uh, Jamal Williams is the kind of player that everyone, everyone roots for. When he came out of college, you could not find anyone in the scouting community that did not love the personality of this kid. And you know that from what you saw with him uh, oh, yeah. there in your backyard, Balky. And, and so when a new situation comes in, I imagine the natural personality of Jamal Williams, he turns it up a little bit. And it's a situation where they're going to look at him and say, I want that player to succeed. I want to get him on the field. So, you know, there's a lot of things that are new in Detroit right now. So I'm not willing to spend that draft capital on Swift because I look at the players going in front of him. I look at the players going behind him. I can make a lot better case for being involved with those players that I have, that I view have the very same upside. So, so I, I'm, not going, I'm not going to draft Swift, and I am going to draft Williams. Um, wherever I can get him, because uh, you'll give me the mojo on it. But I believe he's, I believe he's a bargain. That uh, he, he's probably climbing the boards, but I think he's still a, a nice bargain for drafters here. I don't, I don't feel like myself. I, I've been targeting Jamal Williams, but I have been getting him in, in a lot of spots, and I feel pretty yeah. good about it, given given sure. where I'm getting him now. DeAndre Swift um, is going right now as the running back 15 at the 208. That's right after Najee Harris. It's right after Antonio Gibson. It's right before Clyde Edwards-Alaire and J.K. Dobbins. Jamal Williams, on the other hand, running back 47 at the 1109. Wow. That's behind Gus Edwards and Kenneth Gainwell. It is right ahead of Devin Singletary and JD McKissick. Yeah, that is a that's a very tasty spot for me to get Jamal Williams there. I, I love that, and I, I think that he is going to well outperform. Beg your pardon. That draft spot there, um, Farrell. You have once again outperformed all expectations of what we expected from you tonight. You always bring the real. You bring your takes, and and I know we all appreciate it. I cannot wait to talk to you again. On Friday, remember the checkered flag. I think there's still four leagues open in that. If you want to take your crack at uh, winning some serious cash there, there are uh, leagues still open June 9th or June 23rd. And uh, you'll, hopefully uh, I'll, be in the, I'll be in the running when it's all said and done again if, as I try to defend the belt there. Farrell, we really appreciate it. Uh, have a great Memorial Day and have an extra long weekend. Uh, great extra long weekend. Same to you, Bill.
You bet, buddy. Thank you, Farrell. Thank you so much. At J. Farrell Elliott on Twitter, he is the commissioner of the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship, KFFSC.com there. Uh, I do want to uh, thank our guest tonight, Nat Patsky, for uh, hopping aboard. I want to thank Farrell Elliott, obviously, the FFPC, Rob, Bryce, and, of course, each and every one of you. We'll do our best to get to more emails next week. We, we need to turn this into the High Stakes Fantasy Football two hours um, because uh, the one hour is just simply not enough time. Um, next Friday, we will be back once again at 10-9 Central. Three-time FFPC league winner Derek Capps, uh, who has been drafting a lot of football guys' teams, uh, so far in the uh, early part of drafting season, he will be joining us next week as our guest. Cannot wait to talk with him and hang out with Farrell again. That's always a good time. Three days left, remember, to save on $100 on your FFPC main event first team and $400 off each additional team. You want to play in pros versus Joes? Make sure you're getting in on that before the end of Memorial Day at midnight Pacific time. Uh, the Dynasty Startups and the Football Guys Early Bird also going on. And don't forget against Nat Patsy in that inaugural best ball tournament. Only $125. You can win hundred grand on that. The KFFSC checkered flag competition and the main event open as well. Happy Memorial Day to everybody out there. Enjoy your extra long weekend because it starts right now. This has been another episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com. It was broadcast live and heard around the world. Balky and Farrell will be back next week with more analysis, interviews, and advice from guests much smarter than they are. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk with you again next week. It is uh, always good to have the extra long weekend. Obviously, not going to work on a Monday. Who doesn't love that? Um, I will be celebrating by drafting in the KFFSC Checkered Flag Championship that night. Um, probably hang out with friends and family um, and uh, have a great weekend, commissioning a lot of football guys drafts as well. But I do want to encourage everybody, if you know a veteran, if you run into a veteran, make sure you walk up, shake their hand, or do the elbow bump, whatever you're comfortable doing. Um, and saying uh, thank you to him and her for all of his or her service to the country. It is what Memorial Day is all about. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. We'll talk to you again next Friday. Have a great weekend.